0: Hey folks, welcome to Josh's Worst Nightmare Oddcast presented by Denver Horror Collective. I'm your host, Josh Schlossberg, author of Moline and Charwood, coming August 21st, surveying the dark landscape of biological horror fiction. For this episode, we have the pleasure of speaking with Len M. Ruth. Len M. Ruth is the author of The Pull, Rachel's Apocalypse Diary 1 and 2, and Tales of the Doomed. His horror has been published in the anthology Satan Rides Your Daughter and featured in the flash fiction forum. You can find his latest novel The Unrecovered wherever fine ebooks are sold. Welcome to My Nightmare Land. Thanks for having me. Really glad to have you here. So folks who are aware or those who aren't I will explain that on Josh's Worst Nightmare I invite on horror authors to talk about an aspect of biological horror which I define as living creatures and vital processes relevant in some way to their writing or interest this episode we're talking about what we're calling the biology of pleasure that whole realm so when i asked you for a topic why what interests you about that it's the interplay
1: of pleasure and pain like at what point pleasure becomes painful are they separate systems in the body are they the same system that like goes over a mountaintop and plummets into hell on the other side um yeah
0: yeah well Uh, sorry keep going no it
1: so uh that was something that I wanted to talk about I wanted it um I was picturing like a global pandemic apocalypse and like, what would happen if the entire population, like if they didn't die, like there's not zombies or anything like that, but like they became so overwhelmed by pleasure that it became painful and it essentially paralyzed them. I'm like, I really like the idea of that. I like the idea of like not being able to control your body. Like that's, that's like the worst kind of body horror to me. <laughs> um and there are a couple of everyday examples of that that, that I sort of dove into a little bit. like I'm trying to figure out how to put this topic in the book. I'm like, well, what what is there in everyday life like that we can think of where there's like that pleasure pain threshold where like, this is good, this is good. oh, it's bad, it's bad. Um like, and the one has to do with um sexual pleasure right I think that like both men and women can identify with like going from good to bad in that way usually like at the tail end of the proceedings if you will okay. uh and the other one is tickling which I, I I thought was like I didn't think of it and then when I was researching the topic I was like oh that's interesting like and there are a couple of things that um uh, that those share in common and it all happens in the brain like a lot of this stuff happens in the brain it's it's separate neurological impulses going to separate areas of the brain but like what if those were combined what if that's so like tickling for instance tickling um when you so there's two kinds of tickling right there's like light tickling like you know if you touch someone's skin with a feather feather. and then there's like the heavy tickling like if you think of like somebody's belly or somebody's side like you know going like this like that's a heavier tickling when you do that one it stimulates um pain nerves as well as like the the um the pleasure centers so it's like it's going to the hypothalamus and it's going to the prefrontal cortex I think I think I have that right if I don't have it right forgive me but like it's it, it I know that it's it's stimulating those pain nerves. And I'm like, so when you're tickling someone like that, like that's why you want it to stop because it's actually triggering a pleasure response and a pain response. And I'm like, what if we just multiply that by like, you know, a million.
0: Yeah, I love that concept. So you said you included this in a book? So the idea was it's funny, um, to do like a, to
1: get really horrible for me, like, um, I include what, what I like to call junk science. So it's like, it's the opposite of plausible deniability. It's like, eh, it could happen. And the only people who know absolutely that it could not happen would be experts in the field. So it's like, I dig down and dig down to the edge of my understanding of the topic. And I'm like, there it is. So like for, um, in the unrecovered um there's a protein that gets added to a flu virus and so like I did a deep dive on flu viruses too and those are pretty cool they're it's basically RNA genetic material with um protein coatings so there's like a there's two proteins the H and the N so like if you think of like the famous flu that we've all heard of right Spanish flu H1N1 the H is the one that binds the virus to your cell, and it's like a key. And your cell's like, "Oh, that 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 protein has a key. Come on in here." So it takes that genetic material in, it copies it, and then the N is the one that's like, "Up, oh, we're good. I got all of my replication done. See you later." So the N's uh, kind of like a knife; it cuts that loose after the the viruses have been replicated. I'm like, "What if we just tacked one more protein on there?" what if it's this this protein that's been engineered to produce a pleasure response so your body does its thing right it can knock out the virus but you still have all of this genetic material in the body this protein gets into the brain overstimulates so like the the victims of this flu in the book like um have like a heroin response like if you think of like heroin addicts that like go on the nod right there's so much pleasure happening up here that the this, this exterior sensory inputs shut down and the pleasure is all happening in the brain behind the scenes. But like, what if you overstimulated the brain in that way? And one of the things that happens when you overstimulate the brain that way is that the cells die. It's actually neuro. Um, it, it's cell death from the actual the the nerve cells. And that's what makes addiction. That's why, like addicts, like you need more and more, and you get less and less from it because you keep killing the nerve receptors. You're overstimulating them, and they're dying. And now you can't get this the pleasure from the amount of stuff that you put in because they're you don't have the nerve cells left. And you do regenerate over time. Right. That's why, like, addicts will go into treatment um, to clean up, right? To get that tolerance down, the brain is regenerating, creating new nerve cells or finding new nerve cells in a different area. Um, but as soon as you dig back in and you start over them, you start killing them again. It's and it's a vicious cycle.
0: Yeah, yeah, there's a lot in that. So that's definitely a fascinating topic. So what I think about is, I think about a lot of stuff. Well first of all you weren't really citing junk science. You you were citing legitimate science in your Well it
1: is <laughs> legitimate science. So here's the junk part. It's like saying um adding a protein to a flu virus is saying like if I cut my arm off my children will be born without an arm, right? Fair enough. You're Fair saying enough. I'm I'm adding a protein to a virus and now it's going to replicate and always have this protein on all the new viruses. But like it's at such a micro level that like most readers are going to be like all right like i can get right. down with that right
0: <laughs> sure suspension of disbelief even if you do know that but yeah i mean that would have sounded fine to me but i see what you're saying in terms of like actual replication of the viruses and the evolving of it maybe it wouldn't work that way but but who cares it's fiction so right yeah and it's got enough science there where it's you're not just making up nonsense so that's that's pretty cool yeah i think about what is more incapacitating is it Is it pleasure or is it pain? Because pain, yeah, if it's terrible, you can't. But it's almost like we resist pain. Pain can be a motivator, all sorts of stuff. But pleasure, you just shut down, you bliss out. If I were a evil terrorist trying to destroy another population, maybe my first thought would be, how do I make them all feel pain? But really, if you really want to lay them out, make them all feel pleasure all the time. It's a brilliant concept
1: right that i was like what if because it, i feel like in science fiction we tend to like dump on the armed forces a lot like this secret army weapon huh. and I, right. while i hate that trope is really convenient so i wanna say like later in the in those series the armed forces are the heroes but in this particular instance yes there was it was they weaponized it because but like in the kindest possible way <laughs> because no one no one is the bad guy in their own story right so of course. while they're thinking this up they're like well how can we incapacitate our enemies in the kindest possible way without all the bloodshed we just make them happy yeah yeah if they're so happy they don't want to fight they're just sitting in the in the du- in the um you know in the foxhole like hey right. just get them all stoned man yeah and then like of course i just took it to the absolute you know extreme of that
0: like that's such a cool that's a cool idea because both pleasure and pain it's a loss of control and it's something that if it gets to either extreme we're really it's really unsettling and we don't really like it when it goes too far I mean people like having orgasms but a forever orgasm that would be torture
1: I w- while I was looking at, um, while I was looking at some of this stuff, there's, there's a thing you can look it up like on YouTube or whatever. There's a video of, uh, a, a woman who was hospitalized for having a four hour orgasm.
0: I heard of that. I'm not admitting, don't search my, uh, search history. I, I didn't look <laughs> it up, but yeah.
1: Well, no, the poor lady, like it was all, you know, PG rated, but it was like, oh man, can you imagine? Like, oh. <laughs> it's too much
0: of a good thing.
1: <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. And we're, was I like, um, all right, hang on a second. All right. Did I talk about oxytocin already?
0: No, that's, that's on my list though. So let me okay. go right into that. Yeah. So,
1: um, when we talk about like that threshold in sexual relations, right from the end of sex, where it goes from um pleasure to overstimulation to like is is that pain i mean it's certainly really uncomfortable um and it turns out one of the hormones released from sexual activity is ox- oxytocin and everyone thinks of it like that's the love hormone or whatever but it also is um it's like the msg of hormones like whatever you've got going on it's going to enhance that so it's like you releasing that oxytocin and if there's still physical stimulation happening it's going to like just magnify it to the point where all right and yeah there's like a, there's the loss of control aspect but like are, I have not yet been able to find evidence that they're you're firing pain neurons necessarily Right. but i thought that 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 it was interesting that oxytocin isn't just the love hormone just like the the pleasure hormone it it's an enhancer and it enhances whatever's happening so like it it it's magnifying that sensation
0: interesting sure so yeah an intensifier right interesting yeah so i mean when we get pain sensations it's the body usually telling us stop doing that but when we get pleasure, it's usually the body saying, keep doing that. But then, of course, and I'm sure you're aware of this, that study with the, what is it, the rats who are keep, get, you know, hitting a button to get cocaine mm-hmm. and then they starve to death or something.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that was that was one of the things where I was like, when I was doing it, when I was putting the the, the stuff together for the book, I'm like, that's it. Exactly. Like that right there. And that's how, in the book, that's how people died, was they starved to death or they died of thirst because they just, <laughs> there, like, yeah,
0: it <laughs> feels too good. Like, Why bother doing anything else? Yeah. Well, one thing that's interesting, at least in
1: the human biology, and it's where it's where addiction happens, is that um, there's a Dr. Lestig, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And he's got some, um, some very interesting data on the difference between um pleasure and happiness okay and there's this weird cycle that happens where okay so pleasure is um dopamine think of like right we're talking in general terms here like not exactly but like just just like a a very simplified idea if pleasure is dopamine then happiness is um serotonin and what serotonin does is like hey that feels good but i'm cool like we can stop that now i've got what i need fulfillment
0: um, that, like you're fulfilled yeah, you're exactly, yeah
1: exactly right where dopamine's like that's good give me more give it yeah. give me more yeah. um and dopamine um sorry serotonin down regulates dopamine right so like naturally the way that works is like I'm getting it I'm getting it I'm getting it and then then there's serotonin serotonin down regulates the dopamine and that's it you're good like that's a natural cycle um but cortisol the stress hormone down regulates serotonin so if you're stressed which like I feel like in modern society we're all perpetually stressed in one way or another Mm -hmm. rushing around in traffic drinking energy drinks just like at this high level and there's a lot of cortisol happening there so anytime you do a behavior a dopamine seeking behavior whether it's like and there's so many ways to be addicted now whether it's sugar or caffeine or nicotine or hard drugs or like like whatever it's easy you know anything that feels good that does that dopamine rush social media apparently it like yeah. is big on that like sort of dopamine rush um and you have high levels of cortisol you're not going to get the serotonin to come in and be like settle down we're happy it just you just want more and more and more and more um so that was the other thing like that protein and that virus had to also be a down regulator of serotonin where it's just like You're doing the dopamine, you're overstimulating, you're killing nerve cells, and then you're in this coma and you eventually die.
0: Right. When you seek out too much of that pleasure, you become less happy. That's the whole life of the addict. So it's almost like the chasing of it is what can destroy you. So I think that's a really apropos. And apropos for today, did you mean to have some sort of social commentary in your story? I
1: I didn't start out you know the one that that was interesting to me ended up being a really small factor in the book and that was okay so let's say that you're there and you've got this nation of people like that are for a certain amount of time who are all comatose who are like comatose with this happy thing they're not dead what do you do with them like how do you treat that like there's not enough hospital rooms to put everyone in the country in a hospital to give them the um, fluids or nutrition that they need so like the idea like in my mind was i just i was picturing a couple of guys throwing living people in this condition into a refrigerated truck like just you're a biohazard at this point like i was like that is like that was the horror for me was like Oh, man, like the, you know, the the internal struggle of these workers who are trying to clear out these bodies, but they know they're not dead. But there's there's literally no hope for the for for the infected individual. Like, I was like, that's that's horrible.
0: Yes, But
1: where it ended up was after. um, A cure was found the people who they brought out of that coma had had so much pleasure and had had so many of these pleasure nerve cells burned out that they were unable to experience pleasure and what does that look like like how horrible is that existence how do you get that person to get out of bed and eat something or brush their teeth or do any kind of motion at all right because If there's no reward system, there's no reason to breathe. Like, there's no reason to get out of bed. So it's like, uh, how does that work? How can you you keep these people going who can feel no pleasure at all?
0: Yeah, that's Uh, an interesting conundrum. And I don't think that's been tackled much. Obviously, Brave New World, Aldous Huxley talks about how by stimulating people, giving them little ephemeral pleasures, they'll allow anything to happen to them. That's a different kind of commentary. I mean, yours sort of brushes upon that, but your scenario is a lot more extreme than that.
1: Yeah. I yeah, I don't want to give away too much here, but it, <laughs> <laughs> it's something that uh it's something that they definitely struggle with at the end of at, at the end of the book, like how they're gonna take care of those who those very very few who received an antidote and they can now feel no pleasure at all
0: right that's that's super difficult because that burnout is kind of what like you said addicts are dealing with so basically everyone is kind of in that situation and and as we know a lot of addicts are not super functional members of society you know we should be looking at it i think many ways as a medical condition or whatever but in this situation, yeah, that's 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 horrifying. I guess the good thing about when everyone's in their pleasure coma is the thing we always say with somebody dying, like, well, they didn't suffer. So, you know, it's almost like I could see there being argument made of just, well, let them die. They're not having a bad time, you know? What does it matter? Like, that's, you got to go out somehow. <laughs>
1: right. Or it's like, um, I did a, a short story in one of my books where, and the, the story was, featured a couple of uh a couple of guys arguing at the back of one of these refrigerated trucks like yeah, we got to throw them in they're a biohazard no they're still alive like what do we do and and the argument's like well do they have any hope right is there do you have an iv do you have a feeding tube do you have uh anything with which to treat these people no so he's going to be dead in 72 hours do you want to come back in 72 hours or are we going to put him on the truck like it, it's just like it's like,
0: damn <laughs> that's a fair argument yeah i could see there'd be elements of society that would argue one thing and others another that's an interesting scenario that's playing out Huh? yeah i mean i can't help but draw societal commentary on that whether you did it on purpose or not and frankly most a lot of messages in books are not even necessarily put there by the authors it's just kind of like the readers are going to take what they want from it. But I do think of a world today where we do have more pleasure sources than we pretty much ever had. Yet people are not happier, is what they claim. And maybe it's because in a sense we're burning out our pleasure receptor, even if we're not literal junkies, we might be for certain things that we might not, you know, food, whatever, or social media and stuff like that, or people on the phone or whatever. So that's still like that's a that's a really relevant thing to think about and why is it we're always chasing pleasure it's our natural response and if we lose that yeah we don't feel like we want to live anymore but some philosopher i can't remember the name i was trying to look it up and i wasn't able to find it again he claimed that we are not actually seeking pleasure at all we're just trying to avoid pain which i thought was really interesting I, I don't think that those are mutually exclusive, so that's maybe not as deep as it sounds, but it did get me thinking. What do you think about that idea? I you know
1: there's a lot of like yeah that that uh that lizard brain where it's just like, nope, nope. And some of that came up when I was looking at tickling like it's the same <laughs> it's the same thing, right And there were some folks that were putting out that like laughing is a societally conditioned response to tickling like it's like you're laughing because you're uncomfortable with the situation instead of like because it's actually you know making you laugh and it's a loss of control lizard brain like I gotta get away and make this stop kind of situation and and that yeah I think that touched on what you were saying like it's like yeah we're avoiding the pain of it more than anything else
0: yeah, the tickling. I think there is like a whole movement, an anti-tickling movement. I mean, I, I guess if that's what people want to, you know, worry about. But yeah, I, I think the idea of like in the past, people you take a little kid, you're like ah, and they're laughing. I, it does seem there's probably some of it is just a natural response because even certain animals seem to do that. But still, forcing that on somebody, I think the argument is fair that forcing something physical on somebody. Who doesn't want it? Obviously, is not cool. But another thing I think of in terms of the pleasure pain thing: scratching a mosquito bite, right? I mean, at yeah. first it is pleasure oh, that's a good and, one, and then it fucking hurts. But you're like, I still got to do it or whatever. So you have to just make yourself not do it. It's hard, right? I wonder if there's
1: I wonder if there's a dopamine response there where it's like <laughs>
0: I would guess, and I don't know what that is, or there's definitely no real benefit to us doing that but not everything i guess has a evolutionary benefit but i think it's just we're we're stimulating the the skin for a second in a different way and it's getting away from the itch but then the skin is like now i'm inflamed it's going to hurt even more
1: but yeah. that in yeah that inflammation is like a response to a, a pathogen so like right. maybe there is maybe there is an uh
0: you're getting it out of your maybe you're rubbing yeah, exactly. it out, of your you're skin. drawing
1: blood to the area and getting your body to like respond to whatever pathogen you know. Um, I think it was like the mosquito saliva or whatever from whatever right. insect is like caused that that reaction, yeah. But,
0: the irritation. So, wait, well, but so, well, why is medical they're always saying don't scratch? So, we should start a movement where we say scratch that, it's <laughs> <laughs> good for you. You know, the uh big pharma is telling you not to scratch, you should. Go ahead, scratch that. Go ahead and
1: scratch it, you know, to a point.
0: <laughs> and then another obvious thing, I mean, you did mention sex. And then if you think of horror stuff, so Clive Barker, so the BDSM world is the obvious pleasure-pain crossover there. So the question is, yeah, maybe is there even that much of a difference? Or is it just a blurring? Do they kind of meet? Like when people become really extreme on the left and really extreme on the right, they tend to meet. That's sort of what pleasure and pain are can do well and one of the things that's like um
1: the human brain can like you you hear about people who are who have had um accidents and brain damage like learning to use other areas of their brain to do the jobs of the damaged areas you gonna wonder like if if you're using that that pain area like if you're if you're talking about like the BDSM world if you're using that pain area for pleasure does it eventually wire that way like are you getting eventually are you wiring yourself for that dopamine response even though you're triggering those pain neurons like
0: there's I'm sure there's something to that I don't know enough to comment on it it's not exactly my forte or my my area of knowledge but I think I think that's probably true, right? I mean, how could that that not be true?
1: (laughs) Well, you know, we're fiction. We're authors like we can go ahead and just make stuff up about it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, but, but I think that I'm sure there's I'm sure if we look that up, I'm sure there's been studies about that. And yeah, so there is that kind of thing where that's what porn does to people. So porn, you keep upping the threshold. And that's why not so I've heard, I mean, if I've researched it solely for my fiction writing, of course, course. Um, you know, like everything is like step parent, stepchild sex in the US. It's like, what the fuck is that? And it's because I'm bored of this and bored of this and bored of this. What's the next taboo? I'm not going to make a judgment statement one way or another, but I think that is eventually where it's going to go more and more. I looked
1: at that a lot because that actually, like, when you started looking at pleasure, pain and dopamine, like the biggest hits on uh, like Internet searches were porn addiction and social media addiction. And they work the same way as um, as drug addiction in terms of the dopamine response. So you're inducing a an emotional stimuli instead of a direct chemical stimuli. But the results the same. You're looking for that next dopamine hit. right? and like so yeah the the porn one you're just you're climbing up this ladder to get there um the social media one is like how many likes how many likes how many likes or or whatever like just looking for that next thing but it's the same thing you're you're flooding the system with dopamine you're burning out those receptors you then need more and more to get to the same place um and that that pleasure seeking behavior turns into like this like atavistic
0: need where and it, like- it, and it can ruin real life intimacy so what they're finding particularly with young men is especially the ones who kind of grew up with porn luckily for me I mean it was like Playboy magazines you had to actually look through it <laughs> doesn't have the same doesn't have the same power. But so young men, there's young men with erectile dysfunction because normal sex is not as appealing to them because they've been so hyper-conditioned by porn. So the irony is they're chasing this pleasure of this imaginary thing. And then when the real life, good, awesome thing of real sex happens, they can't even appreciate it. How how ironic is that?
1: Yeah, no, it's, it, it's terrible. And like the good news on that like when you look at the neurology of the thing is that just like with drug addiction, a period of abstinence resets it good. Like good. that's, you know, and it wasn't, it's, it's not a long thing when I was, I can't remember. It wasn't, it was like a matter of weeks. I think when I was looking at it, um, that's
0: good. That's good. Yeah. Like so it comes back. You just have to have that willpower to sort of step away for a little while. But if you're habituating and just your thing, I think most people don't even they don't have that willpower or whatever.
1: So I would posit that it's probably the same for like social social media and now the chemical ones are however long that you got to deal with the behavior and the chemical addiction, too. But right. Yeah, it's it's hope
0: is what you're saying. There is. Yeah. We don't have to fall into these dopamine pleasure rat traps there's a way out if we choose but why do so few people take the way out
1: you gotta put on your big boy underpants and quit (laughs)
0: like (laughs) that's hard to do whatever it is whatever your vice or your your addiction or just your pleasure thing. And we're certainly not here. I'm certainly not here to say pleasure is bad, right? Be an ascetic, you know, even the the Buddha realized the stories of the Buddha is he was living a hedonistic life because he was a son of a prince or whatever. He was a prince. And then he decided to be an ascetic, you know, completely depriving himself. He realized neither of those extremes were made sense. So kind of finding that middle path
1: right that that's the trick it's funny like i'm a middle-aged person now and i was thinking about this when i was preparing to talk to you today it's like because like i've had those struggles i think that's like sort of where some of the genesis for the the books came out of was like with sugar and thc and caffeine and nicotine and your body like at a certain point your body's like dude. And I was just thinking like middle age, like the things that start happening to you at middle age, like when you're engaged in all those behaviors when you're younger, it's like, I got plenty of time, I'll take care of that later. I'll take care of that later. And like at middle age, your body's like, guess what? It's later.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So even if you don't overcome the stuff when you're younger, if you survive, then the older age or the more maturing process is going to maybe temper it your drive a little there bit there
1: are consequences <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you feel them which you wouldn't necessarily notice when you're younger so well that's that's also i guess positive right so there's yeah. there's a way out we don't have to end up living the nightmare that is in your book but people should definitely read your book but to wrap things up and great to have you on this topic this has been a real fun one what are you working on now and where can folks find your work
1: um the unrecovered is available wherever um ebooks are sold pretty much. Um the paperback, I th- I think the paperback is wide. I can't remember. I know it's on it is wide, but it's uh um it's on the big A. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um and the pull is just on the big a for right now but i'm gonna release a second edition which is how you get it off of there and send it wide so hopefully this fall the second edition of the poll will be available everywhere right now i'm writing the second novel in the unrecovered smiling flu series and then i've already got the second book in the poll series outlined and folks can get um two novellas on my website at LennonRoof.com for free, Rachel's Apocalypse Diary. And that's also in the Smiling Flu world.
0: Awesome. All that sounds really awesome. Thank you so much, Len, for coming into my nightmare.
1: Thanks for having me. Of course.
0: Thanks for taking a trip with me through Josh's Worst Nightmare, where I, Josh Schlossberg, survey the dark landscape of biological horror fiction presented by Denver Horror Collective. If you don't want to miss any of the great, and sometimes disturbing, weekly episodes I've got planned for you, be sure to subscribe to Josh's Worst Nightmare on a variety of podcast platforms. You can also sign up for Josh's Worst Nightmare e-newsletter at joshsworstnightmare.com, where I share a whole squirming mess of bio-horror, including my infamous haiku horror reviews and my latest dark scribblings. Speaking of which, if you haven't already picked up a copy of my cosmic, biological, folk horror novella Molinae from D&T Publishing, you can find a copy of the paperback, hardcover, or ebook at Amazon, Godless.com, or Josh'sWorstNightmare.com. Yours darkly, Josh Schlossberg.